Our reading today comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And Paul is writing from prison. And he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need. For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. An airplane pilot was flying over the Tennessee mountains and pointed out a lake to his co-pilot. See that little lake, he said? When I was a kid, I used to sit in a rowboat down there fishing, and every time a plane would fly overhead, I'd look up and wish I was flying it. Now I look down and wish I was in a rowboat fishing. (laughs) That's the problem with contentment. It can feel like a funny, fleeting thing. As soon as we have what we think we want, we wish for something else, something more, something we lost or left behind, something different. And the marketing world is built on this reality. I remember watching a video about obsolescence, the fact that things are made to break down and wear out. Take the iPhone, for example. As soon as as a new one comes out, the older ones cease to update. And then chargers change, and they make it more difficult to find the accessories you need, causing you to buy new ones for the new phones. The old phones can't do what they used to. And so eventually, unless you're stubborn, mom, you wind up paying for a new phone. Computers are obsolete as soon as they hit the showroom floor. Cars decrease in value the second you drive off the lot. Everything is made of plastic, which somehow never breaks down in nature, but all these plastic devices aren't made to last very long in the hands of their owners. Go figure that one out. And so we long for the new thing, never content with what we have. We go in search of a new job, a bigger house, a faster car, a fancier phone, a younger partner, a greener grass, a new kitchen. So, (laughs) ah, but here's the thing. (laughs) Seeking improvement is not a bad thing. Can you improve your job? That's great. Are you lonely and you're looking for a partner? Power to you. As long as you are seeking, as long as what you are seeking doesn't take your focus from God's provision, but rather seeks to glorify God. Now, Paul writes his letter to the Philippians while he's in prison, which Apparently happened a lot for Paul. He spent a lot of time in prison and a lot of time shipwrecked. And his letter is one of thanksgiving, which is odd, it feels like. They had sent him, the people in Philippi had sent him money to help him in a situation. And he wrote in part to offer his gratitude. But he also wanted to make something very clear. Whether they sent the money or not, he was doing well in the hands of the Lord. And their gift was more about him acknowledging that they were still thinking of him. Now, contentment doesn't come naturally. Paul specifies that he learned it over time. He learned contentment when things were abundant, and he learned contentment when things were scarce. 
He learned to be grateful no matter his circumstance because he knew that it was God who strengthened him. It wasn't stuff. It wasn't security. It wasn't even freedom. It was God. He was free and content no matter where he was or what he was doing. Wow. Now I'm trying to decide here which one is more difficult. Being content in scarcity or being content in abundance. Because I get the challenge of contentment when things are not going well. When the food isn't there, when someone is living in their car or in a box, when you are literally starving, sleeping on gravel, unable to pay the basic needs. There is a very real, very legitimate anxiety that comes with such a situation, and yet Paul can say, I am content in that. But there is a great deal of anxiety that comes with having much as well. Who will protect it? It's why people have security cameras and weapons, why we lock our doors at night, why we look for something more, why one television isn't enough, we need more, and one in the bedroom, and one in the bathroom for Pete's sake. (laughs) It's why we fight over things like border security and immigration. Why people fear anyone who might be a Muslim. Why some fight against the idea of racism and privilege because we are afraid of losing what we have. Rather than being content with having much, we hide in fear and we fight against anyone we might see as the other. One day a Jewish man in Hungary went to his rabbi to complain about his living situation. He said, we have nine people living in one room, and it's terrible. No one should be expected to live like this. What can we do? And the rabbi replied, bring your goat into your living space with you, and then come back in a week. The man was a little confused, a fair bit frustrated, but he agreed. One week later, the man returned, rabbi, this is unlivable. The goat is filthy and creates chaos among us all. And the rabbi responded, take the goat out of your living space and come back in a week. One week later, the man returned. Rabbi, life is so good. There's only nine of us living in the room and we're so glad the goat is gone. (laughs) Perspective. It changes how we see life and the world. Many years ago, my mom went to Nicaragua for two weeks on a mission trip. She slept on a mat on the floor. She listened to the gunfire at night. She was told by the families that as long as the rebels were around, they were safe from the government, which was interesting. Now, when she returned, and my dad was driving her home, he got angry at the length of a stoplight. And she just couldn't even fathom it. It drove her crazy. I mean, what a culture shock to have those two different situations. First world problems is what we call them. So what is contentment? Well, it's not being disconnected from your feelings or reality. And it's not being complacent with circumstances. You don't just allow people to walk all over you and say, I'm content. It's also not having what you want. And it's not always longing for something better. It is wanting what you've got. It is the inner peace that you have when you trust God's provision, provision of grace and of life and of hope, even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst 
of death. It is gratitude for what is without feeling regret for what isn't. It is learning to use your abundance to God's glory without fearing its loss. Contentment is a learned and practiced way of life. And the way we learn it is through the gift of faith. We can do all things, even learn contentment, through Christ who strengthens us. Amen.